Hey everyone, welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how to be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message, and we are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Join me now as we look to the Lord in prayer and as we continue in praising the name of the Lord our God. Heavenly Father, we turn our eyes and our hearts to you on this wonderful day of celebration as we're gathered here in this new and expansive worship auditorium that you've provided by your grace and by your power. Lord, we thank you for the vision that proposed this new worship space and for the faithfulness of your people that have made this financially feasible. And while we are in awe of what has been accomplished during the past year to bring us to this point in time, we're not surprised, for this is just one more beautiful step in the miracle that we've come to know as Grace Community Church. And so we gather this evening with our hearts filled with gratitude and praise for your faithfulness, your sufficiency, your grace. You've always been there when we've needed you. You've never failed us from day one of this endeavor of planting a church here in Willow Street. And even in the midst of the challenges of these past two years with COVID-19, over and over again, we've witnessed your goodness your grace, from the wise and thoughtful planning to the skillful and timely construction schedule. Your hand has guided the building committee and the construction team of Arthur Funk and Sons to this day when we can occupy this new space. Thank you, Lord, for making all of this possible. And we acknowledge this is a gift from your hands and we receive it as a precious resource that you've entrusted into our hands. So, Lord, help us to use this gift wisely and effectively to continue our mission to help people come to know and follow Jesus. Provide for salvation, for healing, for discipleship, and community. And, Lord, speaking of community, we pray for the needs of our congregation. We pray for encouragement and hope for those that are discouraged. We pray for comfort for those that are sorrowing and sad. We pray for physical healing and restoration for those with sickness and failing health. And Lord, whatever the issue or the problem might be that folks are facing, provide your grace and the assurance of your loving presence with them during their time of trouble. And Father, in the midst of this what seems to be a never-ending, ongoing pandemic. We ask for your protection and guidance for our church and our community. We pray for the healthcare workers who have labored tirelessly and unselfishly and grant them peace and strength as they continue to do their job. And Father, we would plead with you that this pandemic can come to a swift and certain end. 
And until it does, Lord, grant us grace and wisdom to learn through all of this, to continue to trust you and lean upon you. And now as we continue our time of worship, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of your word by Pastor Mike. Lord, fill him with your Holy Spirit. Grant him freedom and clarity as he shares with us that which you have given to him. And may we be faithful hearers and doers of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading for this evening is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Today's scripture reading begins with the words, word consequently. That indicates that the Apostle Paul was talking about something else that led up to these last couple verses of chapter 2. And the main thing in those preceding verses is the fact that Jesus came to die on the cross for us and that the church would be formed by all people, both Greek and Gentile, a Jew and Gentile, and all who would receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And so with that background, listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. Consequently... You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Before I get to preaching tonight, I do want to thank pastors Paul and Kevin, who came to my rescue last weekend when I developed a cold and realized on Saturday morning when I woke up, there was no way that I could preach in our services on Sunday, January 2nd. So I immediately called Paul. Paul was prepared to preach at Conestoga. He brought that sermon here. Pastor Kevin Kummer, who is the lead pastor of our pastoral team, Pastor Kevin and his wife Cheryl, are with us tonight in the balcony. Good to see you tonight. Welcome. And he immediately pulled out a sermon that he had at the ready, and he preached at Conestoga. Now, I said to Pastor Addison, I will chat online and greet people online. And so that's what I did on Sunday. And I listened to the entire service, including the sermon. And I will tell you, that was an outstanding sermon, putting off and putting on. And it blessed my heart. I was a little distracted, however, by the, the dip and clip and so when Paul mentioned that he had gotten this clip and dip, <clears throat> I immediately lost the next five minutes of the sermon because I was curious as to whether I could get my own clip and dip. <laughs> now, I recognized that Paul got two of them, so I waited till Thursday thinking that possibly he would share one of the two. And when that didn't happen, Paul, I went out to Five Below and got the very last one that they had. <laughs> my own clip and dip. Now, there was one other thing about the sermon that I just wanted to point out. Paul, when you put milk on ice cream, <laughs> here in Lancaster County, for goodness sake, shake it. It's called a milkshake. <laughs> Otherwise, it's an unfinished milkshake. They do things differently in Oxford. But I just <laughs> wanted to clarify a couple things tonight as I thank in all seriousness 
Pastor Paul for an outstanding message that launched us into 2022. About a month ago, Jenny suggested we buy our granddaughter Macy a toy stroller for Christmas so that she can take her dolls for a walk. Great idea, said I. I'll order it, said Jenny. I'll deliver it, said Amazon. I think you need to put it together, said Jenny. You're kidding, said I. Now, I told you that I love Christmas. And when I said that, I forgot that there is one thing that I really don't love about Christmas, and that is putting things together, especially toys, and especially toys that come with very few written instructions. Mary's Macy's convertible three-in-one stroller with a portable baby carrier. Now, this is ridiculous for a, for a two-year-old. A three-in-one stroller with a portable baby carrier came with 15 individual unassembled parts. And the instructions, 34 fuzzy pictures showing how it all fit together. And the only written instructions were as follows. To open to fold. Important. This product is designed to be used for toy only. Really? <laughs> That's a warning. This item is a toy and not suitable to carry babies, children, or pets. Assembly and disassembly should be carried out by an adult. <laughs> and then at the very end, thank you. Merci de votre attract. I took French at Penn Manor so I could read the instructions that come with everything that you buy. You see, friends, here's the deal. I can put things together if I have to, but please give me clear, concise instructions that make sense. That's exactly what God did for us. When in the Bible, he gives us instructions on how to build a church. Pastor Paul, in that sermon that he preached last week, referred to churchless Christians. And that's hard for me to understand how you can be a churchless Christian. After all, the church is Jesus' idea. So how can you bear his name, Christian, and not be part of his church? In the Bible, God describes the church using a number of different word pictures. For example, the church is a body, and Christ is the head of the body, therefore we are called the body of Christ. Second word picture is the church is like a kingdom or a nation, and we are the citizens of that nation. And Jesus is our Lord, he is our king, he is the one who leads us. Fourthly, the church is a family, God's household. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and, and Jesus binds us together in the love that flows from him. And then the church is a building, but not the way we may think of a building. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, Paul says that we are a holy temple. Christ is the cornerstone, and we are the building blocks, as Pastor Will read, being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Hear me when I say this. The church is not a physical space. It is a body of Christ's followers, and the church can be anywhere that Christians find themselves. That was true in the life of Grace Community Church when we were established. 
the church existed in what was John Thomas's antique car museum after John sold all of the cars. And then the church moved over to a gymnasium that was part of Lancaster Christian School. And then the church moved into that building that we are now under renovations. And yet all along the way, we were still the church. We never stopped being the church. We were the church because the church is not a space. It's not a physical building. The church is a people. There is no better time than the present to remind ourselves who we are, why we were founded as a church in 1995 and how we were built. You see, our founders, led by Pastor Will and Barbie, followed the clear and concise instructions that God gives in the Bible for how to build a church. Those instructions were found in various places throughout the Bible, but one of the most concise places of instruction is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And in these verses, God tells us how to build a church, and he tells us, first of all, that we need a foundation, and the foundation of the church is God's word. God intends that to be true of this church, but friends, God intends that to be true of every church. Without God's word, the church will fall apart. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in verse 20 when he writes that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The apostles refers to the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ as well as the Apostle Paul. The prophets in the New Testament are church leaders who, like the apostles, received and communicated the word of God as it was revealed to them by the Spirit of God. Here's what we believe. We believe that the Bible came about by the Holy Spirit inspiring men to put God's word in writing. Therefore, we believe that this word, this book, is inspired by God. Amen? Amen? And listen, if it is inspired by God, you know what that means? It is without error. And that also means that it is fully trustworthy. In other words, you can read it, and you can take it to the bank, and you can apply it in your life, and you can live by it, and it will never, ever let you down. Amen? That's the Word of God. It is our authority for what we believe and how we live out our lives. It is truth for our lives. The foundation of the church and every local church must be God's Word. Now listen, as a church, we have to accept and believe the Bible without exception and without compromise. We need to teach and preach the Bible without apology and in the power of God's Holy Spirit. We need to apply and obey the Bible in our daily life as a church and in our daily lives as Christians as well. I agree with what Dr. R.C. Sproul says when he writes, it is not by accident that the greatest attack on the church in our day is that against the trustworthiness of sacred scripture. It is therefore important that we hold fast to the word of God. It is the foundation of the church. And if the foundation is shaken, the church cannot endure. Now you may ask tonight and 
you may wonder, if not the Bible, what other foundation would a church be built on? Well, let me tell you, because God's Word is challenging, because it is convicting, because when you read and study the Scriptures, frankly, it is countercultural. It's in your face against the philosophies of the culture in which we live, what is touted as being the authority in the world in which we live, and then you open the Bible and then you suddenly find out that God doesn't agree with the culture in which we live. He doesn't go along with this philosophy that is taught in the culture in which we live. And because of that, some churches choose to edit the Bible. They will pick and choose from the Bible that which they like and agree with and leave behind that which they're uncomfortable with. Some churches will wholly abandon the Bible and choose another authority altogether. Jenny and I visited Monticello a number of years ago, the home of Thomas Jefferson. And, and when we talk about the founding fathers of the United States of America, we, we tend to almost make them saints. They are not saints. In fact, some of them simply were not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thomas Jefferson was one of them. Thomas Jefferson's Bible is situated by his bed in Monticello. And next to his Bible, not a daily devotional, but a scissors because Thomas Jefferson cut out of the Bible anything that he disagreed with, so that he had a Bible of his own making. And any miracle, anything that he could not justify by reason or science was removed completely from the Word of God. Friends, we don't have the authority or the right to do that. The Word of God is the Word of God. No one can take a scissors to the Word of God, whether it be a church or a denomination. We stand on the authority of the entire Scripture. Amen? It is the foundation of the church. The result, if we take a scissors, is a foundation of human construction. And so we end up building a church on our understanding of love or our understanding of peace. And so instead of the authority being the whole scripture, the authority becomes our understanding that we should live at peace with each other. And that's a good thing. And it's taught in scripture. But there's so much more to the word of God than just one singular truth. God says the foundation of his church must be his word in its entirety. And I tell you tonight, there will always be honest struggles in how to interpret the hard sayings of the Word of God. Oh my, if you choose to read through the Bible in a year, and I trust that you will do that, you will get to places where you'll just kind of sit back in your chair and you'll say, what in the world does that mean? Do you know that beginning next weekend, we're gonna launch into a 14-week series of sermons called The Unfiltered Jesus. We're gonna take 14 of the hardest sayings and teachings of Jesus that confuse people many times when they read them, and we're gonna unpack them in the series of sermons beginning next weekend so that we can learn what it is that Jesus wants us to know about radically living for Christ. The first value of Grace Community Church is biblical life-changing truth in preaching teaching, and worship. Listen, if you agree with this value, 
then you need to do something about it. You need to make sure that as part of this church, you are committed to the Bible, that you are reading it every day, that as you come to church on the weekend and you sit under teaching and preaching, you don't just walk out and say, well, check that off, I'm done for the week, but you actually take what you hear and you apply it in your life and let God through his spirit transform you. How do you build a church? First, the foundation is God's word. Next, the cornerstone. The cornerstone of the church is Jesus Christ. God intends this to be true of Grace Community Church, and he intends it to be true of every church that exists in our world today. Without Christ, all you have is a club. You do not have a church. The image of a cornerstone was very common in the first century. So for the Jews who first heard Paul's words, it called to mind the massive cornerstones of the temple of God in Jerusalem. Depending on the scholar that you listen to, those cornerstones were 27 to 39 feet in length, the size of a railroad boxcar. That was the cornerstone <clears throat> that Paul was referring to. By design, a cornerstone is established to keep a building in line. It gives a building stability. It gives it integrity. It makes the building firm and absolutely unshakable. So in building the church, hear me when I say this, Christ is our cornerstone. We sing that. We love to declare that as we sing it. But what does it mean? Well, look at verse 20 of Ephesians 2. In verse 20, Paul calls him the chief cornerstone the place of highest honor, the most important that you'll find. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, Peter calls Jesus the living stone, which is undoubtedly a reference to the truth that Jesus is the living Lord and Savior. He is alive. It is a resurrection truth. But in second, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Peter, quoting Isaiah 28, 16, writes these words, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Do you see what the Word of God says? He is a chosen cornerstone. God the Father chose Jesus Christ to be the cornerstone of the church, and none of us have the right to change the cornerstone of the church. He is a precious cornerstone. Do you remember in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, when Jesus went under the waters of baptism, and as he came up under the, out of the water, do you remember what happened? The Father from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He is a chosen and precious cornerstone to call Christ our cornerstone. It's to say that Christ alone is the one on whom our faith rests. He is the one and only Savior of the world. He is the only Lord. He is our security. Without Christ, there is no church. You have a club. You have a civic organization. You have a social services agency. But let me tell you something. If your church is not 
declaring the truth that Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior of the world, you don't have a church because Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith, of our lives, and of our church. But for Christ to be the cornerstone, we need to do more than talk about him. We need to do more than sing about him. We need to invite people into a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We need to be a church that is to its very core, now hear me, evangelistic, reaching out to the world with the good news of Jesus Christ that they might come to know him. Here's the truth. Sadly, some people will meet our invitation to Christ with rejection. They won't want to hear what we have to say. They will not want to align their lives to the cornerstone who is Christ. For those who reject Christ, the Bible says that he is a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Why? Why would anyone ever want to reject God's chosen precious cornerstone. I think it's because they want to build their life in some other way than the way of Christ. The bottom line is they want to build their life their way and not God's way. But many people will receive Christ. And when they do, when you come to the living stone who is the cornerstone the Bible says your life will be changed and you will become one of the living stones that God uses to build his church. How do you build a church? First of all, you need a foundation. The foundation is the word of God. Secondly, you need a cornerstone and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. But thirdly, you need building blocks. And the building blocks of the church are you and me. That's what the Apostle Paul says, and I remind you of these words again tonight in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I want you to see two things in this passage tonight. First of all, we are being built. We are being built. Now, I don't know if you loved English when you were in high school, and I wasn't necessarily the best English student in high school. Will, I think you were a very good English student in high school. But I want you to notice something. We are being built. That's an active verb. You know what that means? The church is not finished yet. The church is not finished yet. Now, I told you on a video I released yesterday that there are still things we need to do in this building. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ is continually growing. It's why we say that there will always be room for one more at Grace Community Church. And actually, that should be said, that should be said in every church. I was, I was doing some intervention work in a church one time where there was some conflict and one of the leaders of the church looked me in the eye and they said Mike we don't want to get any bigger than we are now 
because we are just a happy family and we don't want to get any bigger than we are now. And you know what I said to him? Did you decide who will be the last person to turn the lights out when there are only a couple of you left? Because friends, that is not God's way. God wants us to share the good news of Christ so that people meet the living stone, the cornerstone Jesus, and they become transformed by him, living stones. And when that happens, look at the next passage in this portion of God's word. We are then built together to become, now look at this, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the word of God teaches that he transforms you from the inside out and immediately the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your life. And when we come together in a place like this, couple hundred of us tonight worshiping the Lord, all of you who are with us at GCC Anywhere, do you realize that the Spirit of God is with us? He is inhabiting this dwelling, not because it is a new dwelling, not because it's, it's a, a pretty place. He is here tonight because you are here tonight. The Holy Spirit of God inhabits his church because you, friends, you are are his church. You know what that means? That means that every Christian counts. We need each other, and God needs us to be joined together as one church so that together we can tell the truth about Jesus to the world in which we live, a world that is desperately in need of Jesus Christ. So how do you build the church? Well, first of all, you need a foundation, and that foundation is the Word of God. Secondly, you need a cornerstone, and that cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Finally, you invite people into a personal saving relationship with Christ, and as we do these things, we become the church of Jesus Christ. Now tonight, did you notice that not one time in this sermon did the subject of this physical building come up as we answered the question, how do you build a church? That's because this physical building is not the church that is precious to God. You are. We are. Together. Have you ever noticed that when we're worshiping, that I have a hard time facing forward? Anybody ever notice that? I'm not trying to figure out who's not here, <laughs> making notes, you know. It's that I'm absolutely amazed by the church of Jesus Christ. And I can't take my eyes off of it. It fills me with such joy, such excitement to see all of you across all of our services because you are the church and you are precious to God. This physical building is a tool in God's hand to enable us to make room for one more to come to know and follow Jesus. And as we move into this space, please listen. Don't mistake this space as sacred space. It is not. 
I've heard people say in my life that they go to a church building to get close to God. They think that the physical building connects them to Jesus. Let me tell you, if you want to get close to God, you receive his son, Jesus Christ, by faith. Because the closest you will ever be to God is when you come into a living, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We call this a sanctuary because it's the most recognizable name for worship space dedicated solely to lift up Jesus. But for God, this is not a sanctuary. God intends our lives, your heart and mine, individually and together as a church, to be his sanctuary. We are a sacred space, the place where God lives by his spirit. This building exists solely as God's tool to make this heart and your hearts more fully his. That's what this is. And that's who you are. A chosen and a precious church of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, tonight it's important that we remember before we become a little too proud of accomplishments, that what we stand in, what we worship in, is from your hand and your hand alone. That this is a tool that you have graciously and generously given us for the sole purpose of helping people come to know and follow Jesus. We thank you tonight for this gift of this space for that purpose. Lord, help us never to confuse what is sacred. Help us never to believe that somehow this building, physical building, takes the place of the heart that you inhabit. You want us to be your sanctuary, individually, together as a church. So my prayer is that you would use this physical space now and in the years ahead until Jesus, you come again to prepare each one of us and those who will succeed us to be sanctuaries that in this world bring others to Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us today. 
To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times, and our location, check out our website at gccws.net.